Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. Today we're talking about entrepreneurship and how you get paid. That's right, you need to be concerned about how you get paid. It's not what you think it is. Now, if you're intrigued, you should be, because today I've got the expert on helping you get the money you deserve from the clients that you've worked so hard to serve. Please join me in welcoming Joe Campagna to the Inside BS Show. Joe, welcome aboard. I'm well. How are you? How are, how's it going? Everything's going great. Thank you so much for joining us. So Good. you work in an industry that's called merchant card processing, credit card mm -hmm. processing. Explain to us, Joe, how you got into that. Were you like a like a you know a little baby business whiz, and you were <laughs> wandering around the house collecting money from your friends? How did you get into payment processing? I, I was not an Alex P. Keaton walking around with a you know a, an old school uh, you know adding machine with a tape pretending I was taking people's cards. Although I think they actually sell those now. I have twin daughters, and they seem to have lots of different technology. No, mine, mine is a more interesting, I don't know if it's more interesting, maybe sad, potentially. My my dad started the business, and he was an old school, good as your word, handshake salesman. And he he ran the, he started the business, it was his, it was kind of another career. You know, he had sold printing for a long time, got into his 50s, and it was in a business, and I think a lot of, you know, older salespeople can relate. They just got rid of him because they could because he was getting expensive. So he got into this industry and it was the first time where he had the chance to really be his own boss. And I remember sitting, you know, when I was in high school and hearing them kind of talk about it and they're like, all right, are we going to do this or not? Like the investment, he and my mom and they decided and, you know, it went great, um, you know, until he got to a point where he got sick. And he passed away and I had done finance before I had worked in restaurants. So I'd been around and I understood credit card processing, but definitely not like I do today. And the question came up with my mom. And I think a lot of, you know, small business owners or entrepreneurs don't necessarily think about what happens if something happens to you. And we decided, all right, well, we can sell the business or we can keep the business. And, you know, we took a couple of days after hearing the terms. And I said, you know, if I can keep this going for two years, anything after that is gravy. And that was 15 years ago, which is wacky in my own head to think that it's been that long ago because it seems yesterday that you know sitting with her and dealing with my dad but you know I got into it then and and I admit full well that the first two years the the light bulb flickered like a poor Edison bulb and and I was dangerous and, and it takes time in this industry to really understand the ins and outs but I I got thrown in feet first trial by fire however you want to say it um you know, but I also, with that, you know, live with the legacy of my dad, you know, and, and kind of upholding his thing. I don't want to be the generation that screws it up or, you know, has any sort of question about it. You know, it's a weird, it's nothing I'd ever experienced in my previous business life. So it was weird for me to kind of have that now, where even though he's been gone 14, 15 years, he's still there every day in a certain way. Yeah, because you wanna you wanna do the right thing by him, right? You wanna you wanna make sure you you do you wanna carry on what he started, make it better, and yeah. you know that's 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 a noble, a very noble thing. I I have some experience with your business. I'll tell you a couple of a couple of really quick stories because sure. I think people hear credit card processing and. I, you know, I don't think people understand um, that your business is not 
what people think it is. Your business is very much a relationship business. And here, I'll tell mm-hmm. you the first story. So uh, a woman named Diana Musinek does my credit card processing. And she's uh, an independent sales organization for uh, Elevon, essentially. And that doesn't mean anything to anybody who's outside of the industry, whether they're an independent sales organization or, you know, a direct merchant card processor. But I'll tell you the what... When when I started my business, I joined a networking group. I was a big corporate guy. I joined a networking group, and there was a card processing person in there. And I'm like, I need to take credit cards. So I just signed up with that guy. Right. Well, you know, years later, four years later, or three years later, I met Diana. And Diana had a similar background to me, similar background to you, it sounds like. She worked in the hospitality industry. She also worked at Lehman Brothers. Um, okay. So she knew finance. And, um, she, you know, she led with what, what we now know is what you shouldn't do with card processing. And she was like, you know, if you let me look at your statement, I can probably save you some money. And I was like, well, you know, I, what's the harm? So I didn't even know how to get Joe. I didn't even know how to get my credit card. Statement. <laughs> they were sending it to me every month, but I never looked at it. Right. So right, I'm, no scrolling, one does. I'm scrolling through my emails and I'm like, oh, here it is. So I forward it to her. And she sat down with me and she's like, listen, she's like, I'm, I can't say there, you got great rates. I can't save you any money, but let me explain to you what all this stuff is on your mm-hmm. statement so that, you know, because sometimes these people will increase their fees, blah, blah, blah. The fact that she took that time and explained it to me and, um, and you know, my, I, at the time I was working out of my home. So my wife was there. She, she lived near us. So she came over the house and explained all this. She left and my wife was like, you know, when was the last time you talked to the guy who's actually doing our our card processing? I'm like, I I haven't. I talked to him. Right. When I signed up. She's like, this woman just spent an hour and a half, had coffee with us, explained all these statements, and didn't even ask for our business because she couldn't save us any money. She's like, we need to work with her. Well, so Joe, I switched my card processing to Diana, and then in the recession, when the recession hit, we had some cash flow issues. Diana loaned us money from her own account to get through that rough spot in cash flow. So I don't give a crap what my card processing rates are. I will never leave Diana because of, because of who she is and the fact that she understood that she was in the relationship business, right? You're you're exactly right. I mean, whenever merchant processing comes up, you're, you're probably one of the first person in a decade that I've run into actually has a positive story and smiles about it. Most people shake their head and like, oh my God, you know, and it's just, it's a, not a positive, it's never a positive story. And I understand that, you know, it's people don't view this as a relationship, whether they got into it as their first job or they're just job hopping, you know, but I think for me as an, as I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm an entrepreneur, but for me, you know, not only the history that I have getting into the business, but everything else I had before I had vendors and, and I always tell my entrepreneurs and, and my business owners, I'm like, you got into business to do what you do. You didn't get into it to do merchant services and hunt down a deposit. That's what I do. And my brain works that way. So, you know, that's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that you have a great person and they took the time because I, I do that as well, only because I know that my clients are going to get hit a thousand ways to Sunday with, well, this could be free or this is the, and it's the grass is never greener. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And to take the time and explain it to them, one, they feel comfortable. And then, you know, if something does come up, they know they can call me and we can go through that discussion. And, and I do with clients. 
Uh, sometimes a couple times a year, we have the same discussion. They laugh and then they go back to fixing bicycles or, or whatever they do. Yeah. The other thing that I think is is amazing is she sat down and put us through like a little boot camp mm-hmm. again for another hour and a half about the right way to process charges so that when you're just starting with a card processor, you don't you don't get red flagged the right way to make sure that you take care of your clients so that you don't have chargebacks like i didn't even know what these things were right the first guy i signed up with never i i what's a chargeback i didn't i had no i mean i knew what a chargeback was right. when i worked in a hotel but i never imagined i i just thought to myself if, if somebody has a problem with my service they're going to call me and ask for a refund they're not just going to call a credit card <laughs> well it turns out a lot of people are passive aggressive and they just call their credit cards so you know diana helped us talk to our clients in a way where we said, listen, you know, if anything comes up, I want you to call me first. I try, I'll do everything I can to make it right, which is the right thing to do. But most entrepreneurs would be like, why even raise that issue? Well, you know, that all of that stuff was valuable. And we were a very, very small client for her. She, you know, she does a huge company, like I'm sure you do huge Mm -hmm. companies, but she took the same time with us that she would take with a huge company. Now, the second story I'll tell you is a guy I worked with at Marriott 100 years ago, left Marriott and went into his father's business. His father, just like your dad, yep. was in a, had a credit card processing business, right? And so our merchant card processing business. So this guy immediately calls me and he's like, I don't know the first thing about sales. He's, you know, he was in an operations role. He's like, you got to help me out here. And I'm like, listen, Pat, I, the only thing I can tell you is start referring people business. And then once they say, what can I do for you? Say, well, you know, are you, are you married to your credit card processor? I said, nobody's going to give you a hard time. So he went out and he referred business to everybody he could think of. And 80% of them switched their card processing after he gave them one referral because they just didn't care. They right. were like, I don't know what I'm paying for card processing, but if you're going to give me referrals, I'll, it doesn't cost anything unless I make a charge. I'll fine. I'll, I'll go with you. So, you know, that's, again, this is a guy who led with the relationship and it, it ended up, you know, people were like, I'm happy to, you know, how can you make people happy to switch to card pro to switch their credit card processor? Well, give them a referral and then they're going to go, what can I do with for you? Well, how about if I, you know, if I help you with your credit card processing and you don't have to do anything, I'll handle the whole switch. All you got to do is sign the paperwork. Absolutely. I mean, my first job out of college, when I came back, I, I lived abroad for about nine months and worked for a nonprofit. I worked at Morgan Stanley. So I am 26 and I'm asking people to give me their life savings and do all of that. And I, and I have a gift for the gab, but for me, it was, how do I get on the same side of the table as them? How do I get them to stop looking at me as this 26 year old? And and how do we get into the, I'm not here today. I'm here for the long term, or at least putting you on the path for the long term and, 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 you know, breaking that barrier. And, And that's with any sales relationship. It doesn't matter what you're buying. If, if there, there's always that beginning, Okay, how how is this dance going to go? And are we going to dance together or are we going to dance our own thing? And then it's just not going to work. So, you know, I, I've always been somewhat of a sales role in, in life and in, in my jobs. But, you know, getting into this, you know, it, it, it 
I learned from it, right, in the early days in that in that relationship stuff that we've talked about because I've I've had vendors and I know what you know how that what goes well with that and what doesn't go well. You know, when I worked in restaurants and a vendor would walk in at noon, I'm like, why are you? I have lunch rush. Exactly. I, <laughs> Who comes into a restaurant right. at noon? To Even if you're like, something. yeah, if you're cold calling me or like trying to walk, this you're, you don't understand my business. Get out. And maybe I'll give them another shot if they come at the right time, but probably not. But my vendors knew, all right, all right I come before 11 or I come after 1.30. And if I come in between, Joe's not going to talk to me and it's not going to work for the long term. So, you know, it's understanding. And I think, you know, with the people that you've described, you know, it's always everybody's always worried about the cost and the rates. And that's always a thing. I, you can't not say it isn't in my business. But it's taking the time to really understand. And for two reasons. One, you want to make sure everything you just said is correct, that they you know, are processing correctly, that they're set up the right way and all of that. But let's say you don't need me in a year. But when you call me, I actually know everything that you do and why we did what we did. You're not calling an 800 number. You're not calling you know, someone who's maybe switched over. They, don't, they didn't take the time. They're like, all right, well, how do you do it again? And why do we do it this way? It's no, I understand that you're doing this way. You're, you're processing X, Y, and Z because of the way your pro, your specific processes work. You know, I'm not trying to fit, you know, a size nine shoe on a seven foot. That doesn't work. So it's taking the time to really understand the client so that when they do have an issue or a question, you can answer it a lot quicker. They can feel there's confidence there and you can just get through, you know, what, what their needs are. And they know that you haven't forgotten them or what, what they need. And it's time once again for our Sandrowski Business Minute. And here with our Business Minute today is John Alfonsi. So, John, what type of valuation do I need to form a limited partnership? It's uh, from a formation of a limited partnership or any kind of a partnership. If you're contributing assets, typically for all IRS purposes, the standard of value is fair market value. So you would want to determine the fair market value of whatever the assets that's being contributed, whether it be an interest in a business or particular business assets, if it's privately held stock, if it's publicly traded stock, it makes it a little bit easier. But the beauty of a, any sort of a partnership is that partners have adverse interests. What's good for me is bad for you and vice versa. So a lot of times a formal valuation may not be necessary because the partners can otherwise agree what the value of those assets are with the idea that, again, if partners have adverse interests, it's a third party or negotiated value that should be respected. Generally, the IRS will respect the valuations that are otherwise provided for in that LP agreement. But many times, if you can't agree, then you're going to need the help of a valuation professional to determine what is the value of that asset and determine what everybody is bringing to the table. All right, John. So if I need help or if anyone listening needs help with a valuation, how can we reach you? You can reach us at our toll-free number, 866-717-1607, or directly contact us through our webpage or directly to me, jta at sensel.com. That's C-E-N-D-S-E-L.com. All right, that's our Sandrowski Business Minute for today. Remember, folks, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they are a CPA firm with a different perspective. All right, so now let's talk about you and what makes you, Joe Campagna, and what makes Grant Merchant Services different, right, 
from everybody else who does what what you do and anybody who's listening out there anybody who's watching you've gotten approached or somebody walked into your business or call if you're a professional somebody called you on the phone and said i can save you a full point on your card processing right joe what makes you different what makes you different than everybody else who does what you do I think it goes back to a little bit of what I just said. So I, I don't come in with preconceived notions to a client. And it's really listening to them and understanding what their needs are when they process. And then also thinking about not only today, but where do they want to be in a year or three years? And are we setting up the account or their thoughts for that? Like today, you're not online. But when the pandemic hit, everybody needed to get online. So it's like, okay, well, we're already set up, signed, sort of, we just flip a switch. There's no extra paperwork. So it's thinking about, all right, not only where are we today and where are we going, or if you're already processing, what's the, what are the hiccups you're dealing with and why? Is that an internal process thing? Is that you know something else? So it's figuring out that aspect of it. And then for me, I don't have like one product. I work with a number of processors. So I can go, okay, let me see now that I know what your needs are what I have that will work, right? I don't just sell Nike shoes or I don't just sell Adidas shoes. I can be like, all right, well, you need you know, this, you need that, and you need it to do this for you, whether you're a high-risk client per the underwriters um, or you're just a run-of-the-mill vanilla risk factor for them. So it's figuring that part out and then saying, okay, well, you know, now where do we get with the integration? So it's really taking the time to listen to them and then saying, okay, I don't have just one processor behind me. I've got like five and, and that's for the normals. And then for the really high risk clients, I've got two or three. So it's really thinking about that aspect of, of making it personalized to them um, is probably the biggest way. And, you know, the other big one that I've noticed is a lot of people think of this as a cost driver. It's like, okay, and I always end every conversation with, now you know, you can pass the fees along to your customers and you don't have to pay any of the cost. That is purely a business decision. But if you do it, you should do it correctly per Visa MasterCard rules so we don't run into any red flags now or in the future. Um, not everybody does that, but we want to make sure that if we do do that and you do make that business decision, it's done correctly. So it's it's really taking the time to listen and, and figure out what they need and then delivering that. And, and whether it's this is perfect world for what your needs are, you need to understand that there's going to be cost plus. Or if you do it a little bit differently, it's going to be normal cost. There's not going to be an added. Or if you really want to go bare bones, this is what it is. Um, so it's trying to give them multiple options as well so they don't feel like they're stuck. And it's being very collaborative is really the big thing for me. Um, and it's that educational piece. Where do these fees come in and how is it that way? Because most people are like, oh my God, it's so much. Well, 90% of that doesn't come to me. I joked once years ago, I was like, if these were the costs and this is what I collected, I'd be having this car for my Ferrari. I'm not in a Ferrari. So 90% of the costs or more go to the card you know, issuer and the banks and Visa MasterCard. It's it's not all coming to Joe Campagna and, and everybody else in my industry, but it's educating them so that my clients understand you know, how these breakdowns work. What is an assessment? What is you know an interchange fee and going from there so that they do have that comfort you know, in knowing what they're buying? All right. So you alluded to uh, high risk businesses. We have to let's so let's let's do the basics for people. Right. Because because I've been uh, around the block with card processing uh, <laughs> from a couple of different angles. I'm a little familiar with this, but tell explain to folks. So most businesses never have to worry about being considered a high risk business. What Joe, what is considered a high risk business? So yeah, when you when you fill in, it's almost like a mortgage, right? Like when your business is applying to take 
100,000 in charges, the card acquirer, the Elevon, the first data, the world pay wants to know, do you have a history of this? If you don't, they're going to want to see financials to know that your business can support it because they're all worried that you know you ask for 500,000, somehow you do it, and then your business is gone in three months and they're on the hook for chargebacks and everything. They're not going to deal with that. Well, they'll deal with it, but they'll put a lot of you know, clauses and, and make it hard for you. So in the normal, in the normal world, it's, it's understanding that there's going to be some financial questions so they can manage the fraud potential and risk as well as funding you correctly and quickly. Um, the high risk side of things come into gambling, your sin type businesses um, that are legal, um, CBD, marijuana, nutrient uh, or vitamins and that sort of stuff. But it's when the underwriters start to get itchy and concerned, then it starts to shift into, you know, that sort of high risk category. And that costs more, but there's ways potentially to mitigate that. And it's just finding the right partner sometimes. And, you know, because we can add the fees, there's ways to also cut those costs down as well. Yeah. So the the beauty of going with somebody like you who's not married to one card processor is if you come up against somebody who, because of their personal situation or because yeah. of their uh, whatever, if they have a bankruptcy in their past and they're considered high risk, there are processors that specialize in that. Now, there's going to be like holdbacks and stuff yeah. for a period of time, but you can get them approved. Whereas if they tried calling 15 processors on their own, they probably wouldn't get approved. Now, people would think they were crazy. So, you know, that's the benefit of going with you for, for something like that. Now, Talk to folks about, like, let's say somebody's got a side hustle, right? And their, you know, their side hustle is starting off. And I mean, why should they call you versus just signing up with like Square online or something like that? There's two reasons. One, it's Square is easy and so is Stripe. It's 2.9 and 30 cents or PayPal. And, and that makes sense and it's easy, but it's not necessarily the cheapest. You know, I have clients that... You know, in the past, with their large corporates, they've been close to 1% because everybody takes a debit. And then I've had ones that are over 3% because nobody gives you a debit. So it all ranges. But as you start to do this, you know, I tell clients, new business, you've never done this before, assume a total all-in of 2.7%. And if that's correct, in 14 years of experience, it's close. That's still less than 2.9 and 30 cents. So we'll be more efficient on price. But then also you have a person to call. You know, when I first got into this, everybody was like, oh, my God, Square, they're going to steal. They're going to steal all our clients. And I was like, well, they're stealing small clients that they're fine. But, you know, if I lose them, I'm going to I'm going to be sad, but I'm not going to be hurt. Right. I'm going to still be able to buy groceries. But when those clients had a problem, they had an 800 number to wait online and call and do. And that wasn't helpful, whereas they could text or email me. And again, go back to doing the business that they wanted to get into, not sit around and wait to figure out why they're getting debited on the 14th of the month. And so somebody who was small and would have been, you know, high risk because they were smaller, you just need history in order to in order to be able to get them through underwriting. What's the right amount of history? So let's say, you know, Joe is doing selling widgets out of his garage and he started off doing $3,000 a month and now he's doing like 15 a month. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been in business for six months. Is it, is it a good time for him to call you or should he wait till he has a year of history? No, I think six months is good. But if you're starting to get into that 15 to 20 and you're seeing the, um, the line starting to become a ski slope versus a plateau, it's definitely a good time to call because that's the other time where, you know, if you're, you're, you're here and you expect to be at 100000 in a year, all right, well, how do we plan for that so that in a year we're not 
blowing everything up and doing a whole new system. So that's the other part of it. We want to make sure that what you're doing today is allowing you to grow and not going to be great for the short term. And then we're going to have to rebuild this again and then again. So it's getting everything smooth and running for the long term. Um, the other aspect, you know, with having multiple providers is that, you know, if you're working with your accounting or a specific online solution that works for your industry or your business that you like, maybe they only have one integration, but you also want to email clients and do, uh, you know, invoices that way. Well, maybe somebody else is cheaper. So you can almost play off having multiples. Now, that'll be a little extra work potentially in reconciling, but you know, it's not that hard. It's a little bit of effort, and but it can save you money. And that's really where it comes down to, Dave, that question of, you know, these are the options. It, you, is, is the, it, how, what's, the, what's the number that makes you want to, you know, do that extra work? Is it $1,000 a month? Is it 3000 a year? Like, what, what is that? And then I know, you know, in six months, hey, your volume's getting to where you are. Do we have this discussion or do we wait another six months? And, and, and that's part of being the partner. So when you when you say so you have multiple uh, you have multiple uh, accounts basically all they're doing is just adding the revenue together from the two statements right they're not they don't have a lot of, what what, else, what other work do they have to do well th theoretically but let's say like you had a online ordering solution that was specific to your industry you found something you thought was amazing and it worked for you it's legacy it's too hard to blow up but let's say they only have you know they can only work with processor A and B fine. But let's say you don't like A and B's, you know, invoicing and, and back end. Well, we can get, you know, the other 30% of your business on processor C. So you have two different systems to work on. Um, and they won't necessarily talk to each other. Think of them as different cash registers in the same business. But you're going to be a little bit more uh, cost effective in the long term. Um, you know, and you're going to be happy in that you're dealing with the systems that you like. Well, and there's no, there's absolutely no harm in having a backup processor no, no and, and i and for my really large clients that do web based stuff we have that because that's the last thing they need is to have you know something happen around the holidays or a specific period when they're busy to be out of pocket for an hour or two hours if that happens we quickly you know well quickish within 10 15 minutes can flip a switch they're back on the backup processor and they're flowing and there's no issues um there's lots of different ways to play that but yeah having a redundant solution is important very rarely does anybody down for more than an hour or two knock on wood but you know having that in play is something you should do now explain uh the difference between the actual card processor so the the three entities right there's the gateway there's the card processor and then there's the bank help people understand very simply, Joe, we don't need right. a nope. master's course in this. What's the, what, what is a gateway? What is a card processor? And everybody knows what a bank is. Right. So if I build my site, I need something to directly link me to the company that says, yes, no, there's money when I customer puts in a card. Now that can be direct to the acquirer who actually does that work, or there can be a gateway, which is a secure handshake tunnel that makes sure that any of the data being presented isn't you know, open to the hackers to steal it, which would be very bad. You know, you don't need that. So the gateway is there as a secure link between your site and wherever is processing it. The acquirer, like an Elevon, a WorldPay, the Stripe, the Squares, they're the ones who, when they get the data, they quickly send it to the person with the cards bank and says, does this person have $100? They do. We get an accept and we move forward. Or they get a decline. At the end of the day, that person takes up all of your sales and they batch it out automatically and they send your money to you and they send the, the note to debit the money from that person out of their account and we're good. But you're really dealing with the acquirer 
who does the yes, no, there's money for chargebacks and the rest of it. That's typically a business's link to this industry is through the acquirer. Now, you talked about passing the fees along to the end customer. Mm -hmm. How, how is it industry specific? Who does that? And how, you know, what percentage of your clients are passing the fees along these days? No clients that do it in a retail setting. And I think partly that is because there's still that uncomfortable face to face. Hey, it's a hundred dollars, but we do 10350 if you pay with credit or you can pay cash or debit and there's no charge. So nobody wants to have that discussion yet. It's very much in the B2B world or um, in the website side of things. I see that in a lot of the nonprofits. Um, you know, most people are very comfortable with the whole $100 donation going to the nonprofit and paying that three and a half percent. The key there is, is doing it correctly and having the technology that will help you determine this. And basically all it is, is you've just got to make sure that the customer or the donor knows that there is a fee and that when they do it, if it's a debit card, there is no transaction cost because it's a cash transaction. If it's credit, that's when the three and a half percent comes on and you pay theoretically nothing. Um, I do have a number of business to business clients that do it. Um, they, most of them actually have um, dual accounts, one for you know, still paying the fee and one for not just in case there's a client who has a problem or their legacy. It, it all depends. Yeah, I I counsel all my clients are in professional services and they they always want to pass on the fees and I'm like why do you want to have one more reason for somebody to get aggravated with you? I'll I, you know, just just build in build in the fee, build in the the price into your services. I don't even charge my clients right. for travel because I know if I got to go somewhere to service a client, I'll build that into the fee I'm going to charge them up front. And I'm going to make sure there's a cushion in there so that I don't, I don't take a hit on it. Do the same thing with your credit card fees. If, if you really must, it's a cost of doing business. Yeah. You know, I, I see lawyers all the time who are like, Oh no, we're just going to pass it on. People are used to it. I'm like, ah, I'm not used to it. I wouldn't want that. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, this, the solution has been around for about four or five years where you could really do this and do it correctly. It's gaining more steam, but it's not widely accepted. Um, it's definitely something, like I said, the the nonprofits do. Three and a half percent is the right number. The ones that do five or six percent, that's driven by their donor program, and it makes me upset because it's wrong. But, you know, there's no right or wrong, and, and no one's gone out of business. No one's lost business, at least any of my clients from this. So it's it's interesting. Um Everybody's worried about it. I'm like, yeah, it's just that conversation you don't need to have, right? Why would you, what does it say about your brand that you're not willing to pay three cents on every, uh, you know, on every dollar. Um, dollar for, you know, for credit card processing? I mean, you shouldn't be in business if you're not willing to suck it up. I, that's just my, just, that's just my take. I, I, mean, I, 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 I don't disagree. I think it depends. Are you going to bake it in or are you going to not? Yeah, I, there's the people who are like, but if you pay cash, then there's a discount. Then we get into a whole other mental gymnastics. Yeah, you're not, you're not a gas station. You're a lawyer. That's what I tell them all the time. You're not a gas station. You're a lawyer. You do a lot of relationship based uh, work with your clients. What are you, what are you teaching them? What do they need to know? Is it about compliance so that there is, the, I mean, all your systems are encrypted so that there's, mm -hmm. so there's no breaches or anything like that. Do you, do you do education with your clients where you're like, never, ever write a credit card number on a piece of paper? Like what, what, what do you teach your clients? So yeah, that's definitely what the, the list of credit card numbers that you have in the locked file cabinet 
let's get it into the system and let's shred that document. Um, and, and there's ways to do that. It will cost you two cents whenever you seem to need that card. So that's definitely one. It's really educating them on their costs and where that comes in. Um, the security stuff, it's usually a reminder. It's once a year they get an email or quarterly if they're getting scanned. They're like, is it, what are we doing with this again? I'm like, it's like car insurance. You have to renew it every year. I know you've never been in an accident, but they just need to know that you know that this is a thing and we need to be compliant. So I work with a lot of the clients on that. Um, if there's new stuff that's coming up, you know, Visa MasterCard changes their rules twice a year and those that are you know, going to get hit, I let them know. But all my clients know that twice a year something might change and they should be prepared for it. Um, if technology changes and they need to get new terminals or if there's a security update, it's, it's really just being, being involved but not being uh, you know, a nuisance where it's, hey, what about this? People have enough coming at them. Um, it's just being that partner like we've talked about. Um, but security is a big one. Um, I try to make them aware of you know potential issues with fees if they're coming along, wh what we should do to mitigate that if there's anything we can do. Um, but yeah, just that, that pretty much those two things. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about um, business and your business. Who's, who's the ideal client for you? I mean, I would imagine like cosmetic surgeons would be great clients for you or, or you know, lawyers who deal with consumers who get paid using credit cards. Who's the ideal client for you as a, as a merchant card processing company? Yeah, I, I like the business to business clients. They understand, you know, that there's a cost to doing business and, and they're comfortable with whatever that is. And they also want a solution that will work and be there. And then if there is a person that, you know, they can deal with that. So the professional service is a huge one. You know, accountants, especially during tax time, they can email out an invoice and know that, you know, hopefully by April 17th or 20th or 25th, people are emailing them back in, you know, getting paid. Um, I have a lot of clients who are lawyers. I have a lot of clients who do, you know, recurring sales. Um, if they have stuff every month, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, it, for me, I've never focused on one industry. So I have clients that are as unique as selling fireworks as well as, you know, recurring ad installments for magazines. And I appreciate that because being able to do help a lot of different clients keeps me nimble mentally to help everybody. And what might help one will definitely come up and help another. Or if they think about it, you know, we can quickly get a, an idea of maybe what a solution could be, you know, and, and where that would work. And how do you get the bulk of your business, Joe? Where do how do you how do you generate new leads for your company? It's a lot of referrals. I mean, it's it's purely that. I, I do some web marketing, um, and that helps a little. But it's referral based. You know, everybody wants to know that somebody's person or guy or woman is going to be as helpful to them as they are for you. And a lot of it's referral based. Networking, obviously, um, you know, through the groups and that sort of stuff. But referrals is a big one, um, and I think that's with any business. You know, when you're and you're getting into something like this. And what's the what is the big event that causes someone to go look for you if they're already processing credit cards? Let's say let's say that they're they're not. Let's set aside the PayPal people, right? right? Uh, what's the big event where they go, man, I got to find somebody else. This is just like we, I had, uh, we had a, my wife and I have a situation now with, uh, one of our banking relationships for the business where she was just telling me the other day that she went into the bank and had a terrible experience. And that's like the last straw. And we're like, Oh, we gotta, I can't believe we got to do this. We got to find after all these years, we got to find a new banking relationship. What's that moment like 
what is the biggest thing where somebody goes, I got to find somebody else to do this. I just can't deal with these people anymore. So I'm, I'm going to give you two, even though you want one. I think it's that personal. Oh, I'll take two. No, right. two is better. That's right. good. So it, it's, I have a question and I can't ever get a response. No one is ever going to answer me. I got to call the 800 number. When I call, it tells me I'm on hold for an hour. I'm not doing that. So it's having actual questions getting answered or help when you need it, right? Like most of my clients... I will hear from them once or twice a year if something goes weird or wrong and they're like, what is this? And they can email me and know that I'll get back to them within the day or two days and explain to them, hey, I need a little bit more time. This is weirder than we thought. Um, but it's it's needing someone or some information and not getting it in a timely manner that is for you. The other one is, and we joked about this earlier, um, I finally saw my statement what are all these fees all of a sudden? And why does this why does this feel more than it should be? Whether it is or not from the beginning, it's hard to debate um, because we always forget or you know we remember one or two fees, but now there's 10, what is all this? So when somebody looks at their statement and is like, what is happening? And then again, they try and get the answer and they don't, but they call around and they go, who are you using? Does it seem reasonable? And maybe it is, you know, like you said with Diane earlier, it's that gut check to go, hey, you know what? Your fees aren't terrible, but... You know, if you don't have someone to answer your questions, you know, who is that? Yeah. You know, but I, I think it's it's either the these costs seem odd or more than they should be, or I can't seem to get anyone on the phone to help me. And that's driving me insane. So we're speaking with Joe Campagna. If you want to reach out to him, you can call him at 847-292-0609, 847-292-0609. Joe is there so there's somebody out there right now that's like starting a business in their garage or in their living room is that person too small to work with you no i i've been in this business long enough and and i don't try to discount anyone of any size i'm happy to have the conversation at least get them on the right road and if i am not that person today maybe i will be in a year and and at least they'll they'll start it off correctly and they won't have that point where they do need someone because their numbers are just too small or it's just not not the right time to get things set up so they're not having to do things over and over again. So I'm happy to talk to anyone at any time because that's part of that referral process, right? Like to take the time like your person did to actually sit with you and walk you through it is 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 invaluable. And, and my industry is, is a hard enough nut as it is with integrity and, and, and respectability. I'd like to not be a part of that. So I'm happy to talk to whomever and, and at least get them some guidance on where they should start and then at what point they should talk to me or someone like me. All right, Joe, I want you to take a minute right now and think of three things that people should take away from our time together today. Three things that you want them to remember. While you're thinking of that, I'm going to remind folks that we're brought to you by my Revenue Roadmap Guide. You're a professional. You're in business. You want to grow your business. I'm going to give you a business development plan to do it. I'm giving it to you for free, and I'm doing it as a way to say thank you for listening to the show, for watching the show. Here's what you need to do. Just go to RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. It's a website, RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. Enter your contact info. When you enter your contact info, you'll be able to download my Revenue Roadmap Guide for free. This is my gift to you for listening and watching the show. It's the same guide I use with my clients. All you need to do is go to RevenueRoadmapGuide.com, enter your contact info, download yours today. We're also brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Earlier in the show, you heard the Sandrowski Business Minute. Well, if you need help with anything related to accounting, whether it's figuring out if you're paying too much tax or you want do evaluation on your business or a business that you're going to buy, or you need help with any other of 
the accounting services that Sandrowski provides, all you need to do is reach out to Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. And in order to do that, what I want you to do is send me a quick email and I'll make an introduction to Harry Sandrowski, the principal from Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, myself. Just reach out to me, click on my email address down below in the show notes, and I will introduce you to Harry Sandrowski and he will save you a ton on your taxes or he will do a valuation for you that will be accurate, timely, and will be able to be easily explained to a judge or the court if you're in professional services. My guest today is Joe Campagna. If you want to reach him, you can call him at 847-292-0609, 847-292-0609. Okay, Joe, what are the three things you want folks to take away from our time together today? I think the big thing is, is if you haven't looked at your statement in whenever, start looking at it. I would look or at, if you're not getting a statement or, yeah. <laughs> or if you're not getting it, where do you need to go to see that statement? Um, call the person and if they don't pick up, then call me. Um, but find your statement, right? And, and look at it. I would say look at it quarterly, get a feel for it. Those numbers should very rarely waver. If you start at you know, 2.8% at the end of the year and it's July and it's still around 2.8, that's good. If it's 3.2, what happened? If it's 2.3, what happened? So it's understanding that there shouldn't be a lot of volatility once you've signed up in that. But look at it quarterly. I'm not expecting you to look at it every month, but at least quarterly, worst case, twice a year. Um, that's the big thing. The other part is is really find that partner. You know, Think about where does your business wanna be in the next two or three years? And is your processing or collections of revenue working for you today? And will it work for you in two or three years? With your growth, or with how people are taking money and bringing money in. you know, If you're at 90 days receivable, how do we get that to search 60 or 30? Um, so finding that partner to help you speed it up, but also get you to where you need to be, not only today, but in the future. Um, the last thing I think, you know, when it comes to all of this, is just find a solution that is completely transparent. There should be nothing that somebody can't answer on a statement or somebody can't answer on the phone. Um, you know, if it's not transparent, it doesn't make sense. Take that with all with a huge grain of salt, but it should be very transparent and very easy. It's, I mean, as, as you know, Dave, when you talk to Diana, it made sense, right? After 10 minutes of her explaining it, you're like, okay, I know where my fees go and I know how it works. So if you can find someone to do that, then it makes it easier. And it also makes it easier when you do get bombarded from five to 10 other people to be like, I'm good. I can delete these. I don't have to respond to them. I don't have to show any sort of life. And they will definitely leave me alone eventually. But I would say, yeah, look at your statements quarterly. Think about where you are today and where you want to go in the future and make sure it's all very transparent and on how things are working for you. Wonderful advice, Joe. Thank you so much. Folks, if you want to reach out to Joe, you can do so by calling 847-292-0609, 847-292-0609. Joe Campagna, thank you so much for joining us today on the Inside BS Show. Thank you, Dave. It was a pleasure. It was great to talk to you. Alrighty, folks, that'll do it for this edition of the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo. I'm here every day with a great new interview for you. Until tomorrow, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.